After Dark. Recording this one a little bit late. It's 11.40 at Capital One Arena. And uh, the Wizards just got their behinds handed to them, 116 to 95 by the Jazz. And uh, honestly, the game wasn't even quite as close as the score might imply. It was all garbage time for the entire fourth quarter. Bradley Beal was totally out of sorts. Utah's defense just killed him. Future MVP Joe Ingles was all over him. Bradley Beal said he wasn't face-guarded. He was face-guarded more tonight than he's been in any game since high school. And he had Joe Ingles on him. He had the Jazz sending multiple defenders on him. It was like they don't even care about the other guys on the floor. They were going to send everybody at him. I'm Fred Katz. I cover the Wizards for The Athletic, and I'm the host of Wizards After Dark, and I'm here with my good buddy Andy Larson, who uh, covers the Jazz. Yeah. The Salt Lake Tribune. That is what I do. Uh, yeah, I mean, Joe Ingles, I thought was phenomenal. Like, uh, right. I, I kind of talking after the game about how much they top locked um, Bradley Beal. You know, kind of face guarding him, preventing him from getting over those screens and getting getting those stagger screens or those pin downs that he really likes to take. And I know a lot of teams do that against Bradley Beal, but like, I think the Jazz really, really committed to it. And like, I thought that was a you know, sending multiple guys and saying, hey, you know, Sato, if you want to beat us, go ahead. If you want to, you know, Bobby Portis, do what you can do. But, you know, I think the Jazz were just like, all right, number one, we're going to stop Bradley Beal and kind of live with everything else, and, and it worked. So when Beal had Saturday night, Beal goes for 40 points on 17 shots. Yeah. Did you watch that game by any chance? I didn't watch it, no. I saw the highlights of what Beal did. He was absurd. Yeah. I mean, he was. he started that game... 9 for 11, 11 for 14, something like that. Right. Like he had, he had at one point, he had 33 points on 11 shots. <laughs> and he didn't shoot that many free throws. He was just like 8. He had like, 9 of 12 from 3. Yeah, and at that point, he was like 8 for 9 from 3. Like he was just so unbelievably on fire that he was averaging 3 points per shot, which is <laughs> just insane. And come the fourth quarter of that game, and it was a pretty close game, and Memphis just starts like – hitting him with the hardest double teams that he had been hit with to that point all season. Like, they are trapping him like a main, like, like, he always gets trapped. He gets, you know, blitzed on pick and rolls and that kind of stuff. But they are like, I don't care who we're trapping off of. I don't care who we're leaving open. Get the ball out of his damn hands and I, just do it however the hell you can. If you leave somebody wide open for a layup, just do it and we'll figure out the rest <laughs> later. Just make sure the ball's not in his hands. And that was clearly their defensive strategy for the fourth quarter. And Beal... Even with that, only had one turnover on the night and was good at getting reading those double teams, getting rid of the ball quickly. That was against the Grizzlies. When you go up against the Jazz, Ingles is a fabulous defender. Rudy Gobert is, in my opinion, the best defensive player in the NBA. Uh, there's so much length. Jake Crowder is a solid defender. They all go to the right spots. They're fantastically coached. You're not going to have those uh, mess-ups, and you're not necessarily going to have the time. They're... They have lots of long guys out there. You're not going to even have the space to get rid of those passes on doubles. They come from doubles in creative ways. And Beal just looked like, honestly, he, he had a terrible game against Charlotte a couple of weeks ago where he went 4 for 21. Okay. But that was just him missing shots. I think tonight he looked more uncomfortable than he's looked all season. Yeah, and I think that's that's jazz defense. You know, Joe Ingles is like really difficult to play because he's physical. He's a jerk. He's talking to you the whole time. Like he's smiling when he's hitting threes over you. You know, so there's that part of it. And then you know, with the top locking being, you can you can back cut against it. But then you've got Rudy Gobert there, right? Like so, even those open layups that you might get off doubles or traps or whatever that looks like aren't there when Rudy Gobert is in the paint. And 
that means that you know you you end up not getting a lot of shots. You end up really really uncomfortable, and I think we saw that saw that tonight. It was really only Jabari Parker who kind of got going offensively, but you know it, it was completely fine for the Jazz. <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting you mentioned that. I was talking to an assistant coach or to a to a, a head coach from another team, okay. and I asked him what is like the most difficult Bradley Beal quirk in his game to defend against, and he told me the toughest part is that Bradley Beal is better at back cu- after he gets rid of a ball in a trap, he is better at back cutting the trap than any other player in the NBA, mm-hmm. and it's, so it's interesting that you mentioned that. It's a lot harder to do that when you have Rudy Gobert there waiting for you. So Beal, there was there was a number of times where Beal tried to do it, and it's just like you have this dude with a seven nine wingspan or whatever the hell it is just waiting. And it's like it you is, can't get the pass through. It's literally seven nine. Yeah, his wingspan is literally seven nine. You can't get the pass through. Right. You can't you know? get the pass through, or if you do, then you still have Rudy there, and you got to finish over him, which is you can't. So he like, was phenomenal tonight. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. So you know, both of these guys were players of the week over the last week, right? And Rudy Gobert, I was surprised to see it because usually Player of the Week is not a guy who scored 15 points a game over the last four games, you know. But that was Rudy, and he was he's been that impactful defensively for you know like the last couple of weeks. And, and really, it does it, it does kind of oscillate with him. Like sometimes he's like just absurdly game-changingly good, like worth honestly 20, 30 points on the defensive end. I'm you know not even exaggerating. And then there are games where he kind of falls out of it. The last stretch he's been on, he's he's been just incredible. Like just making so many of those plays, uh, stopping opponents from getting anything at the rim. I mean, the Nets had I think five layups all game uh, in their in the Jazz's last matchup. I mean, Rudy's just he's good in ways people don't don't get. And I get that he's the defensive player of the year last year, and, and he's getting that recognition, but. It's just, it's so, so valuable. Not on just his matchup and defending Bobby Portis or whatever, but defending everyone, it's, he's, he's just phenomenal. Yeah. He's I don't great. know what else to say. Like, he's, <laughs> you, you, you see it, and, you know, you, you cover the Thunder. You, you watch a playoff series with Rudy Gobert and, and kind of the difference he can make. And it yeah. just changes the game, stops teams from doing what they want. Yeah. I mean, look, the Wizards have been rolling offensively. Yeah. Like, they, they've played against – I wrote this this morning. They, they, they've played against easy defenses for the most part. So the numbers are going to be a little inflated. But since the trade deadline when they traded Otto Porter for Parker and Portis, they had 16 games or whatever, and they have the fourth highest rated offense in the NBA. Mm. Like, that doesn't mean that they're the fourth best offense in the NBA now that they made the trade. But 16 games is a nice enough sample to be saying, you know what? They're playing they are, well. They're playing well. You can say that they're playing really well, yeah. even if it's against easy opponents. Scoring 114 points per 100 possessions is a lot of damn points. Yeah. From the beginning tonight, they just couldn't get what they wanted to do because they couldn't get to the rim, and they were afraid of getting to the rim. They just stopped, started pulling the ball out, and it was just like, no. There's nothing you could do. Saturday pull-ups or... Bradley Beal trying to get shove Joe Ingles off of him and try to take a, a mid-range shot or I mean just a bunch of shots that you you don't really want like and that's that's what the Jazz do when, when they're at their best. All right, question question for an outsider. Um, I had a story this morning okay. in the Athletic about a lot of people over the last seventy-two hours have written about Bradley Beal's. A lot of people here have written about Bradley Beal's NBA case. Brad talked about it on Saturday night after he went for 40. Scott Brooks talked about it and insisted that Bradley deserves All-NBA. 
my inclination. So I think first team for sure is going to be Stefan Harden or the guards. Yeah. Second team, my guess, and I think both these guys are locks, at least to make one of the three teams, would be Dame and Kyrie. Okay. I'm going to assume that Westbrook is going to make it. I think he's going to make it. Okay. And then you have that extra guard spot. Could be Beal, could be Kemba Walker, could be Ben Simmons, could be Kyle Lowry. I'm also going to guess that the two guys who are going to finish either sixth and then the first guy out is going to be Beal and Kemba in some order. Probably has to do with whether or not, considering the way a lot of voters think, probably has to do with whether or not the Hornets make the playoffs and where those two teams fall in the standings. If Beal makes it, he's super max eligible this summer. And this is what I wrote about this morning. Uh, The Wizards are going to have to make a decision. It's the exact same position they were in with John Wall in 2017. John Wall snuck on the third-team All-NBA. He had two years left on his current deal. And so that summer, he was eligible for a four-year Supermax extension. Turned out to be $171 million. Bradley Beal, given where the salary cap projects to be two years down the line, would be eligible for a four-year $194 million extension, which means that it would totally deal to six years and it would run through to the 2025, 2025 season. He'd make $54 million, by the way, in the last year of that deal. How old is he now? 25. Okay. Uh, I hate the Supermax rule because at least in its current iteration, I hate it. You should not be able to get it just because you made a third team All-NBA because right. you end up in this situation. But let's say he makes All-NBA. The Wizards are going to be in a situation where they either offer Bradley Beal the max, and then you have John Wall and Bradley Beal super maxed out if Brad accepts. They offer him the max, and he says no. And then you're like, oh, man, he won't even take the super max. we got to do something while we still can. And by the way, because everybody knows that you have to trade him, your leverage is down. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they decide, we're not going to pay you the Supermax. We can't do it for whatever reason. And then Beal, there is not an instance so far of a player in the NBA who doesn't get offered the Supermax who's eligible and then doesn't say, okay, well, then I want out. Right. There has not been an instance of that, instance of that yet whether that happens super publicly or totally privately. There has not been an instance of that yet where that guy ends up staying with that organization for less than the Supermax. It just doesn't happen. So these next 11 games, I, by the way, if I end up being a voter, which I think is possible, we don't know yet, I, by the way, will be at the center of, like, the largest conflict of interest I could ever be in my life. <laughs> because they stupidly not, gave this right. They How do you do that? Like, I actually like media voting, and maybe that's because I haven't been in this conflict of interest position yet, but like, I, my point is I, I think media voting is the, the lessest of lessest, the lesser of all the evils of, of ways you can vote. Like, player voting, players vote for dumb stuff. Right. Uh, fan voting obviously doesn't work. Like, it, it would have to be, to me, like, more... The objective criteria, maybe you know, say you're over 26 points a game, but then you get weird, yeah, uh, incentives in the other way. Like I don't know a better way to deal with this. Than, yeah, than me neither. My my biggest problem is having the, um, like having incentives based on the media voting yeah. because that turns media and reporters into the story, right. which isn't what we're supposed to be. Um, I, I've I've thought about how I would 
handle it because when it's it, the dude you covered is the one who's on the line, that's by definition a, conf- a, a conflict yeah. of interest to some degree. Now, reporters know that you have conflicts of interest, like always. It's just impossible to completely avoid them. Right. You end up becoming friends with people who you cover yeah. just because, like, because you're around if, them every day. If you don't like. Not everyone you cover, but there are certain people who you cover who you yeah. end up becoming friends with. And, like, if you don't end up becoming friends with them, like, then you're not being human enough as a reporter because that's <laughs> yeah. absurd. What are you, a robot? You're around people all the time. You get along and you just aren't friends with them. And now a lot of the friendships end up being, like, the under- you just be fair and you're fine. Mm-hmm. And I've had that. There are people who I've criticized who I would consider to be my friend. Yeah. Uh, but... Like, this is kind of a different level because we're talking about literally tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that should be in there. Anyway. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about... People reasons. don't care about the journalism. <laughs> care about the Wizards. Would you yeah. offer Bradley Bill the Supermax? Let's say he makes all NBA. What would you do? You're the Wizards. Okay. And I think Bradley Bill is great. And I don't know if you're there for Quinn Snyder's press conference before the game, but... I, he was more positive about Beal than he has been about any player all year long. Uh, said he was terrific. Said he's got a. He mentioned him in the MVP race. Like that's that's what Quinn Snyder thinks of Bradley Beal before this game. And I think you saw what happened on the court. How much respect the Jazz gave Bradley Beal shows you know what Quinn thinks of of him. You know uh, you can make it you know top fifteen NBA player. Yeah. yeah. I think he's in that conversation. He's all NBA. Like I I think he's worthy of that money, if that makes sense. I don't think that like for the Wizards to be a contending franchise in the next like decade, that it would be a right move. Like to me, I think you you just have to trade him, and I think you would still get a lot for him, even even as say with your leverage diminished. If he asked for a trade, um, and, and you know, if if you just give him the regular max, but I, to me, you just can't pay two guys ninety million dollars uh, with a team that, even when those guys have been healthy, still has topped out around what you know, middle of the Eastern Conference. Um, you, you, you just you can't. You just need to. I, I think you just kind of have to move on. You have to take your lumps. You have to get the draft picks, and you have to develop and, and suck for a little bit, and then hopefully move up and you you kind of hope that you get guys like Bradley Beal and uh, a healthy John Wall but just the the team with those two guys being paid 90 million dollars doesn't have the ceiling that that you want as, as a franchise you can get a lot for Bradley Beal by the way yeah if that's exactly. the route you take you can get a lot especially if you play it right there's so many teams this summer who think they're going to get pieces there are more teams trying to use max slots than there are players who are going to get max slots. Someone, what's the analogy? What's the proper analogy? Are there going to be chairs left over in the musical game of chairs? There are more people (laughs) playing musical chairs. That would be a terrible game of musical chairs, by the way. (laughs) Uh, Too many chairs. (laughs) Too many chairs. This game never ends. (laughs) This game never ends. (laughs) Where this game of musical chairs? I guess in this analogy... The chairs are the players, yeah. and the teams are the people playing <laughs> musical. Anyway, well, well, you, get, yeah. you get it. You get it. So, too many chairs. And someone, someone will want to give up. And so, a yeah. And so, gigantic yeah. package. Someone's going right. to be left. 
not getting Anthony Davis when they right. thought they were going to get Anthony Davis. Someone's going to be left not signing guys, and they're going to say, all right, we got our young pieces, and uh, you know, and and, yeah. and we're just going to give up like these young guys because Beal – and Beal, by the way, talk to people. I mean, I'm sure you don't because he's, he's you know, not on your beat. But, like, you talk to people around the league about Beal, and it's like – People really, really speak highly of what yeah. he's done here. People really respect him a lot. Like everybody, with coaches and front office execs and scouts and just everybody. It's like yeah. people are like, man, that guy is impressive what he's doing right now. And I think he's – I think everyone thought he was really good. But I think to some degree he's taken some people by surprise because he's averaging 29-7-6 since Wall got hurt over 36 games, which is ridiculous. Right. Uh, and he's doing it with a 60% true shooting. Like he's – He's been extremely efficient. Phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, he, play, he defends, and he's a great locker room guy and all that stuff. And so I think uh, I, a lot – I mean, people just say the, the fondest things about him. So if you went that route, you'd get a lot. But yeah. it's just this is going to be a fascinating summer if he makes all league. Agreed. And, and that's, that sucks. I hate that, that teams have to lose – fantastic players because they don't want to pay him too much money like that's I don't think that's good for our league but I do think that like from an objective point of view that's the right decision for the Wizards to do just try to shop him and see what see what they can get if you know because I think you can get two really really good young players and and three draft picks I mean we're, we're talking about like Anthony Davis minus one kind of packages in my mind for for Brad Beal yeah I hate the supermax rule man because yeah, this right. shouldn't be a decision. You have him no. under contract for two more years. This You should not be hampered by this right now. Yeah. You should be hampered by this in a year or two, you know, as you're approaching free agency. The fact that this is the case two years out because of an eccentric rule that the league put in. The fact that an organization, like, has to root for their guy not to make all NBA yeah. so that they can sustain what they're trying to do. That's crazy. There should never be an incentive for an organization to root for a guy not to make it. Like, yep. at least from a roster building perspective, you're always going to have you know incentives. You know, he he leads the league in scoring. He gets a little extra money. He makes the playoffs. So he gets a little extra money. But like a hundred k in those bonus incentives. Right. right? Like it, and it if just the, doesn't and matter. And it's different when the team negotiates it in yeah. than when the league imposes it on the team. You know, like it's different. Like like uh, like I saw. Who was it? Bobby Marks tweeted tonight that like uh, Denver clinched the playoff spot. Okay. Paul Millsap had a playoff bonus, like an extra bonus in his contract, so he gets whatever it is, 150k. Okay. That's and not a league rule, right? That's not a league rule. Yeah. Rudy like, Gobert has a one million dollar All Star bonus. Yes, like, there you go. He makes the All Star team. Right. He gets a million dollars. That was negotiated in by the yeah. Jazz and Rudy Gobert. Right. Like that was negotiated in. That's not a league rule. Like the league should not be imposing this stuff on teams, and it just seems like. It can be crappy for the players. It's ruining teams. The The voters who are deciding this hate it and think it's yeah. a ridiculous conflict of interest. Not that that's actually going to factor into whether the league does it or not. But it's just like there, there, just, there isn't anyone who likes this rule. It's just worked out terribly. Yeah. It's, and you wonder, like, did you think it would work out this badly? Like, did you see this no. coming? No. Yeah. I, I get, like, what the mentality was four years ago when you're negotiating the CBA and you're like, hey, let's find a way to get guys to stay in their, their current situations. But, if anything, it's on the opposite because there just are – how many guys in the league are really worth, like, that eight-year Supermax or whatever it is? Like, they're $54 million in 2022. Like, 
just how many 2025. Sorry, 20. In the last year of Wall's contract, if if Beal gets and signs the Supermax and they keep them together for all this time, in the last year of John Wall's contract, the Wizards would be playing John Wall and Bradley Beal. So the last year of that is 2022-2023. They would be paying Wall and Beal, just Wall and Beal, a combined $94 million. Yeah, you can't. It's like 46 and a half and 47 and a half. You, you just, you can't. <laughs> like, you, you can't do that. Cap for that year, I don't know, the cap for that year would probably be like a little over 130. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. You just have no money for the rest of your players. And, and, you know, John Wall, Bradley Beal, good. Uh, John Wall when healthy and motivated, but, like, not good enough to, you know, how many players are are confidently worth $45 million in 2022? Kevin Durant. Anthony Davis maybe, but you I don't, might be I don't, you know, like I don't even know. Now honest. I would I would pay Kevin Durant a contract that gives him gives him forty five million dollars in twenty twenty two. Uh but only because I know he's gonna outperform his present value. Gotcha. So like I can't say like a hundred Kevin Durant's gonna be thirty this year. Like I can't say for sure. Yeah. And I think his game will age well because he's 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 always been healthy, except for that, you know, one year in OKC. And uh and he's so skilled and, mm-hmm. you know, such a hard worker that I'm sure he'll always feel his game will age well. But it's just like he's going to be like 33 then. Like, I'm not that confident that anyone is going to be worth $45 million at age 33. Right. So, and, you know? Yeah, so, and, okay, so now we're talking like, yeah, with the uh, talking young about Giannis. Guys, like Giannis and Bede, are you happy with paying him with his injury history five years down the road that much money? You know, like, yeah. So it's Giannis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is there anybody else? Like I, I, I feel like we're forgetting Giannis. Somebody. I'd pick but Kawhi. That uh, Kawhi's like twenty eight, twenty nine, right? Like Kawhi is older than I think he is. Yeah, you might be right. I'd still give Kawhi that. Okay. Mm. Yeah, there's a case. You know, like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Steph Curry, I mean, but just, again, is all Curry is going for? Yeah. Yeah, the ankle thing. Yeah. So if there's a rule that applies to right now, it applies to like you know the three All NBA teams, so 15 right. players. It would be the young guys. Like it I should have taken Anthony Davis. Two guys. Right. Right. I'd give that to Anthony Davis. Okay. Right. And even then, you're you're kind of you're crossing your fingers. Right. Because of his lengthy injury history. Right. It's like I'm not like I wouldn't give it to like. People might say they give it to the great guys who are still on their rookie contracts because you know they're going to be young. Yeah. I wouldn't give it to Tatum or Luca. Ben Simmons. I might give it to Ben Simmons. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. So young. Yeah. So good. Maybe. Donovan. Yeah, he's great. Forty-five million. No, I wouldn't do it. He's not good enough for that. Yeah. But he's great. He's great. I love Donovan. Don't get me wrong, and I'm not trying to take Donovan's money away. Again, conflict of interest. But uh, yeah, like it's, that's just way too much of your cap for you to be a, a team. That's yeah, that makes sense. it's a lot. I mean, it's and, and I don't know about you, but like I feel like in the last few years, my like ongoing NBA theory is recent NBA changes have made it so your your fifth guy matters as much as your first guy. You know, like if you have a legitimate a weakness out on the floor, especially in the playoffs, you just have you have so many problems that even the best stars can't can't make better. You know, LeBron in in LA is a good example, or 
the Grizzlies with Tony Allen. Uh, you know, you, you just have so many – you just have weaknesses that teams know how to uh, take advantage of now that there's so much yeah. scouting and so much – the league has gotten so much smarter. So if you have two players that are taking up 75% of your cap, that means that your fourth or fifth guy is, not, is necessarily going to be below average and just get, get picked apart. Right. Yeah, I mean, Tony Allen is – it's funny because, like, I assume you're referring to the the Memphis Golden State playoff series yeah. from 2015? 15. Like yeah, it was 15. That was the first Warriors year. And it's amazing that, like, it's only been four years since then the game has changed so much. That was so revolutionary, right? Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, my God, Andrew Bogut is guarding Tony mm-hmm. Allen because he can't shoot. And they're just basically letting Bogut play free safety. It's like they changed the zone rules like 13 years before that, and it like took this long to be exploited to that degree and that famously in a playoff series. It's like, oh, Tony Allen can't shoot. They're just doing that. And then it's like everybody who could – after the Warriors did that, was like just open the floodgates. Everybody, you can't shoot. You're exploited in the playoff series. I know. I covered Andre Robertson. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, and he still may be a, a helpful guy, but you also color, covered Carmelo Anthony. And last year, the Jazz just he, it was the opposite. part of Melo every single play. And that was the big reason why they won, won that series, maybe the biggest reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get you get a guy who can't defend pick and rolls, they're going <laughs> to get called out. You need, you, you need an all-around game yeah. in this era, I think, more than ever because they're really good. I think I've said this before. I think we're in a golden age of coaching too. I agree. There are a lot of really good coaches. Yeah. Like Quinn Snyder's an awesome coach, and he doesn't even really get consistently mentioned as a top five guy. Yeah. Because Pop is so good, and Brad Stevens is so good, and Spolstra's so good, and Carlisle's so good, and mm-hmm. you go on. There's su- such great tacticians in today's game. Kerr is so good, and. You know, and I think we've gotten a lot fewer of the like recent player retirement coaches, or just honestly guys that shouldn't be coaches. That you know, Byron Scott was an awful coach in LA. Um, Ty Corbett in Utah, you know, again, just clearly didn't have what it took from a tactical perspective. And we're we're kind of out of those guys now. You know, everyone's at least pretty good. Um, you know, we'll see again if Jason Kidd or Mark Jackson or someone like that finds a job, but. I, I completely agree, and I, I'm, I feel like I'm hating on guys here, but I feel like my hate is, is fair. Like, look at what those guys have done. I don't know. I feel those like, guys feel are like, objectively bad coaches. I feel like my hate is fair. Uh, <laughs> plug, plug, uh, plug your stuff. Uh, Andy does awesome work. So thanks. even if you're not a jazz fan, you should read it. So I, yeah, I write for the Salt Lake Tribune. Every game I've got uh, the triple team is kind of like my go-to feature, where you kind of break down. Uh, three things that happened in that game with video and graphs and analysis and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then, you know, I'm on Twitter like everybody else is at Andy B. Larson. Great. Subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Give us five stars. Leave a nice review. Remember, if you hit me up on Twitter, I don't make the decisions for the team, so... <laughs>
Don't get mad at me. But you guys, I, Wizards fans, you guys should be, you're, you're lucky to have Fred. Fred is, like, a phenomenal beat writer. He's, he's so good at his job and so interesting to read. Like, there's a reason everyone around the country is reading Fred's stuff is because it's it's unique, it's insightful, it's awesome. So, wow, keep, keep doing that. I should put that at the front of the podcast. <laughs> That's actually going to be the whole thing. I'm going to edit everything else we discussed out. The Wizards lost tonight. It was a big loss. No, it's awesome. not, even, not even that. It's, li- it's literally going to be that. I'm going to run that for every podcast episode the rest of the year. But remember, I can't I can't make shots go in. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm really sorry. Can you make them play defense? I can't even make my own shots go in. Oh, yeah. Basketball's I'm, hard. I'm really bad. Yeah. I was a baseball player, but I, I can't can't play basketball. Anyway, subscribe to Wizards After Dark, for, and you might even hear some more compliments about me. Uh, and like I said, five-star review would be awesome if you want to leave those nice compliments. I will do that. In the iTunes review. Yeah, that, that helps a lot with the iTunes stuff. I'll be back. Uh, I'm going to Chicago tomorrow. Wizards are just – they just don't practice. They don't shoot around at all. No practice tomorrow. Not sh- they, they were originally not supposed to have shoot-around in Chicago on Wednesday, but they were supposed to practice tomorrow. Now they're not practicing tomorrow. I don't know if that means for shoot-around, but it's like, man, they just don't practice. They haven't shot around in four games now, five games. Like, they just – they don't do it anymore. They're, they're resting everybody. And so uh, – I will be. I'm not resting yet. I'll be I'll be in Chicago. I'll be podcasting after that game, probably with a guest. I'll talk to you guys then.